Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And no Steve with us on the, the podcast this week. Well, well, to be fair, Steve's always with us in spirit. He, he is. I, I believe he actually flew out to Montreal, was appointed head coach of their academy, but then fired the next day. Or <laughs> I, I think that's what they do out there. Did you see all that stuff about Sandro, Sandro Grandi? Wow. Do you remember watching Sandro as a player? Vaguely, I think. Oh, no, I don't remember vaguely. I remember I used to not like Sandro as an opposition player. Um, I, I, but, but the name rang a bell, but yeah. What did he? What What did he say? Like, what did he? What was his tweets? I don't even know. I didn't look into that part of it. I just know he got um, fired for them. I, I did, and I'll let people just Google that oh, okay. if you don't know the story. Sorry, sorry. It's, it's best for us not to get into that. I'll wait till I've got Eve back on the show, and yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll delve into that with her. I was um, watching. I haven't finished it yet. I watched the start of the latest the Ballers Round podcast where. They had to talk about that off the bat, but they really wanted to quickly right, move on okay. from that altogether. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting times out in Montreal. We'll cover a little bit of that in the show tonight. We're, we're mostly going to be looking at Canadian Premier League in this episode of the show. That's going to take up the, the bulk of parts two, three and four. We'll touch on some Whitecaps and MLS chat in the, the first part as well. And just... A few other things just here and there. But I want to start off with the big, important news of the the week, Zach. We touched on it on last week's show. The Hot Chocolate Festival has begun <laughs> in Vancouver. Started on Saturday. I was there Saturday morning getting my first hot chocolate of the festival from Shea Christoph in Burnaby on Hastings Street. Absolutely delicious, 41% Swiss milk hot chocolate with cayenne, chilli powder, cinnamon, maple syrup with house-made, freshly made whipped cream on the top and paired with a delicious pull-apart bacon croissant type pastry. Absolutely delicious, highly recommend it. So one down, there's 95 Different cafes taking part in the 13th Vancouver Hot Chocolate Festival, Zach. Caitlin's 
crunched the numbers, looked at the things that she thinks we'll like. She's got it down to 29. So whether we might have diabetes by the end of this, I don't know. But it's one down, 28 to go is how I'm looking at it. You can do it. I, I think I can. I, oh, I should have I should have looked into that because I was briefly driving through an area that I might have had one of those. Although it says Vancouver Hot Chocolate Festival, they're into Burnaby and like yeah, yeah. New West and some Yeah, I'm pretty sure well, I was to so. one. But highly recommend getting that. And then as that wraps up, the Poutine Festival is going to be getting underway. 14 days of Poutine. So, yeah. Hopefully I make it through to our 10th anniversary show at the end of March, but it's t- touch and go. But we'll see how that goes. Something else I want to talk about off the bat is how we finished talking uh, on last week's episode. We, we looked at some potential football rule changes that may want to see. So we've had some interesting feedback from that. So I just want to go over some of that just now. S- Steve, not our Steve, a different Steve, uh, left a comment on the website, which we always highly recommend you do, aftn.ca. So talking about the, the rule changes, he came up with a, a couple of interesting ones. Injured players, he's got injured in inverted commas, get 15 seconds to get up. If he doesn't, then the trainer's called on the pitch. Once the trainer is on, the player must wait three minutes before returning. And that was trialled in MLS Knicks Pro last season. And I quite liked how that kind of worked out. It it does take away a bit of the faking time-wasting. Yeah, that could be interesting. That's the kind of thing it might be nice to see if it if if uh, you know the loss of the games experts or the or whatever felt it went went well at a level like that. It would be nice to see it be tried at a different level. You know, like kind of moving up the the football pyramid, if you will. Yeah, um, this is all no, I don't these kind of things, things. I wouldn't mind stuff like this getting trialed in the league's cup. League's to be cup, honest, league's cup would be another. Yeah, that would be another good opportunity because obviously. Uh, well, you play you Mexican know. players for one thing. That'd be a great opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> They're down to eight players. <laughs> no, but um, I, I, so yeah, I think it would be good to go from a level like MLS Next Pro into a to a higher level, and uh, and see if it it still is uh, something that works well. But yeah, that's an interesting one. Mm. The, the next one I'm not a big fan of, which is following a red card, the opponent chooses which match the player must serve the one game suspension from. Yeah, that's never going to happen. I, I can see why you would maybe want that because we've seen it before, players picking up a card that makes them miss the next game that doesn't necessarily mean something or they might not have played in any way so that they don't risk getting a suspension or, or something for a, a game down the line that's important. But yeah, that, that wouldn't happen. This next idea of Steve, it's a bit complicated, but it's about extra time. And he says, requires the substitutions for all players who have played 90 minutes. Um, You could also reduce to 9v9, which I don't mind the the player reduction part for extra time. The team with the deeper bench has the advantage, which is what I then don't like, because that does favour the bigger teams that have got money to completely stack their, their roster. And he says you could also play longer to find a winner. I, I do like the idea, though, of not having 11 v 11 in extra time, or at least start off first 15 minutes 11 v 11, next 15 10 v 10, or if a player's been sent off 10 v 9, how, how it would work out. Basically, you just take one player off. Then if you're still level, maybe play another 15 minutes of 9 v 9 or something like that. Or you could even do 10-minute intervals. 
so I guess the requiring of all the starters to be subbed off is to help to deal with the the stress on the players, which mm. that from a whatever sports safety or you know athlete safety perspective, that's kind of understandable because yeah, I don't think you can just keep going. Like I don't think it's probably. I think that I think players unions and stuff would 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 have a massive issue with that. Um, but yeah, the, the reduce if you're reducing the players number of players with all new players yeah maybe again maybe that's something you trial although obviously these things only happen in knockout competitions or like playoffs or whatever so like how often they get used would be very limited even in like so leagues cup right like there's a group stage to that right yeah so there won't be extra time or anything till the knockout stage well even then who knows if there's even going to be extra time yeah, or with a competition like that, I guess they wouldn't want it with a group stage. But I wonder if, in some type of competition like that, where you, where typically or traditionally there would be ties, you could say, "We're not doing ties. Every game has to have a winner," mm-hmm. which again also feels well, I mean, too far away from you know football. You know, back in the NASL draws, days like. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then MLS Next Pro had last season. Which I wasn't sure how it was right. going to oh, work, yeah. but I didn't mind it in the end. Which was, was the, the game's level was after actually, 90. Yeah, no, game level right. after 90 straight to right. penalty kicks. Right. So if you won that, you got two points as opposed to three. So you just got an extra point. And you, it, it was interesting. It made for some fun end to. And if you lost, you still got the matches. one, right? Yeah. yeah. So you still at least got a point from it. The, the last suggestion from Steve, which I agree this would be good in all bar one thing, which we'll get to. So he says, follow the NCAA clock rules, i.e. it stops for cards, for goals, for time-wasting, substitutions it stops for as well. You could also give the referee discretion to allow a promising attack to continue if the clock reaches zero. The only thing I don't like about the NCAA clock is it counts down. I like the clock counting up, but I mean, that's a small thing you could do. Yeah. I was a bit, when I first started watching SFU, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But the more I've watched it, I like how it stops. And then, I mean, we never discussed this with with you, Stephen, we discussed it, about the the World World Cup Cup games, all this extra time that was added on. I thought that was fantastic, and I hope it continues. So uh, a couple of things. One, I, I, I enjoyed it as well. I meant I got to stay in those days. Yeah, you got to see more uh, bang for your buck. It was like an extra 20 minutes every game. Um, there was a study or the whatever done, uh, or calculations made or whatever. Um, this was, I think, partway through the group stage that said, even with the excessive or not excessive, with the quote unquote true at time added on, the amount that was actually played was still like the same. Like, like the amount of time time where the game was actually like the ball was moving or whatever was no different than a normal game. The percentage was like no different or something. Um, I remember reading that and then having a conversation in our apartment about, you know, well, well in Doha. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, it, it, I have, I, the Bundesliga doesn't come back till this Friday, so I haven't watched uh, anything but highlights really of, of the other leagues. Have have any of the other leagues adopted that? They haven't, right? I I don't know if they've officially adopted it. There has been some longish time out on. I haven't watched tons of live games either, really. Um, 
FA Cup certainly had some time added on in games. So I, I, there's nothing official that I've seen. I, about I watched it. one live game, uh, and that was a friendly, and it was mostly great. Um, but yeah, no, it didn't have crazy amount. Of, it had like two minutes at the end of of the end of the game. I mean, hopefully it's something that, that they can look at. Um, Sam, Sam Brown YVR on Twitter, says the only football rule change I would entertain, but not discussed by us last week, is a change in the size to the penalty box. Make it considerably smaller, maybe 12 yards, maybe a semicircle instead of a box. But he doesn't explain is that, why. He, want less that. Pen- he wants less penalties? I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah, Sam, it, it, maybe expand on that a little bit as to, to why. And then Mike Mead, the, the big country music fan from up in Whistler, says that he would consider sin bins and kick-ins uh, in terms of the rule changes, but he posed something else that we are talking about last week, which we're going to come to in a sec as well. We were talking about the, the player Ty Baribo that has been yeah. l- linked with the, the Whitecaps. So he wants to know just your thoughts on the Austrian Bundesliga, like in terms yeah, of quality, so- comparability to MLS... Yeah, it's not. It's not obviously not one of the higher ranked European leagues, right? D- Dead Bull, the OG Dead Bull, comes has come out of there in the last few years and and made some noise in the Champions League, but the overall level of the league is not like super high. I would say comparable to the MLS. I don't. That's hard to say because they don't have like big DPS on mm-hmm. most teams, and you know whatever. I do know there's a number of Bundesliga teams, including Bayern, who. Uh, have uh, have been using it in, in more recent years more so to loan their young players that they don't want to lose but they uh, want to develop so, so rather good... than drop it down to like third or fourth tier in Germany they send them yeah. to Austria Interesting. yeah to play yeah instead of playing on their second team in the yeah third or fourth division they send them to Austria so like Bayern has like I think it's like three players on loan at Klagenfurt or whatever right now in the in the in the Austrian Bundesliga um of players that they're hoping will will develop and will you know push on um so yeah the, the actual the level yeah i would say it, it's below mls uh but that doesn't mean that this player um you know couldn't come to mls and make make an impact mm-hmm. right especially the, with the rate at the rate at which he was scoring and you know the, that form that he that he the form that he's been in as, um, as with all players as well, it depends who you have around them. If you're getting things yeah, put on a yeah. plate, it's a lot easier to, to put the ball in the back of the net as well. Yeah, but I would say the, the culture of the uh, Austrian Bundesliga is good. There's some really great uh, supporter culture there with you know great displays and uh, great atmospheres in the grounds. And yeah, Never seen a game there. Only been to Austria on a day trip to Innsbruck and loved the place. It was very nice. That brings us on now to our Whitecaps news of the week, of which there there isn't a lot, but we'll talk a little bit MLS as well. The big news is the Whitecaps, they're off to sunny Spain, uh, Viva España, etc, etc. And they're going to have their first pre-season game on Wednesday. They're playing the Beef Patties, which I believe is the nickname of Hamburger SV. It's the Dinosaurs. Oh yes, we covered that last. We're just hot ha, ha, online. Just spell ha as foul with a uh, a dollar sign instead of the s. That's how it's most ah, often referred to. To me, they'll just always be Hamburg, so so that's fine. Um, yeah, play them on Wednesday, and apparently 
the game is going to be streamed on Sky Sports News. Which I don't know if that's just in Germany or in the UK as well, but I was like, ah? But is it, how is it going to be accessible to people in North America? I, I don't know. Glass City just um, tweeted an article today saying that that game was going to get streamed. It was in German, so I'm assuming it's German Sky Sports News. So it is a paid channel. So I, it's not something that folk are going yeah. to stumble across. But I would hope that means the White Cats can get a feed, at least on their website or something, for folk here to watch it. I believe it's a 6 a.m. start there, so I'll, I'll skip that one. Didn't get up at that time for the World Cup game, so I'm going to get up for a White Cats preseason friendly. I uh oh I might have oh I might have an interesting meeting on Wednesday morning. Remind me, I'll tell you. I'll tell oh, you later. Okay. They, they've added early. a second game now though as well. Talking of Again, Austrian two. Bundesliga <laughs> sides, a Wolfsberger on Saturday the twenty first. And if you think Wolfsberger, where have I heard that name before? On last week's podcast, where we were talking about the Whitecaps being linked with the Israeli striker Ty Baribo. He plays for Wolfsberger. Now the Whitecaps are playing Wolfsberger. Surely too much of a coincidence there, Zach. It's like, you're going to sign for us or we're going to do a crunching tackle on you in this game and you're going to be out for the rest of the season. No, but <laughs> it would be that'd be weird if he plays, if like if the deal's not done before then kind of thing, right? Like if you... Plays the first half for Wolfsberger, signs the contract at halftime, switches no, to the like, Whitecaps in the second half. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you don't want... like you, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe um, maybe my perspective is is, is uh, you know too far fetched, but I I don't know. Like, you, like, I wouldn't want him playing against the White Caps if he's about no, to join the White Caps. If that's exactly. what you're saying, yeah, yeah. Like I'm like just even like remember like for example um the whole Matias Lava debacle, right? Like oh. if you're gonna sign a player, you don't want him playing for someone else and yeah. then getting injured, right? Like. Because then you're not going to do the deal, or you lose. I don't know. Yeah, likewise. If he's going to get injured, it needs to be asshole. <laughs> yeah, he could be. He could just be wearing a different coloured strip from everyone else that they do at training. This is the guy you're not allowed to go anywhere near. <laughs> he can pass the ball to either team. Yeah, he can score for either. Team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a, more of a training drill than a, than an actual. Friendly. Yeah. So that should be an interesting one. So, I mean, we were wondering if they were going to play more than one game. So, so they are. Yeah, they, um, they had to play more than one game going all that distance. I mean, we, we were talking uh, before we started recording. There hasn't been a lot of stuff really come out from Spain. There's been a few things on Twitter, a few like little train videos, and it seems quite nice weather, high teens. Is there much on the website? I haven't been on the website. I don't think so. I haven't been on the website either. I just that's, have that's seen a weird. few videos on, on Twitter. There's not really much, to be fair, to, to write about just now. I mean, the, the the news that folk are talking about is they do have a player in the, the camp training with them, not necessarily trialling with them, and that is Salif Sani, a Senegalese international centre-back. He's 32 years old. He's been a free agent since the summer. Yeah. Spent nearly a decade playing in the the Bundesliga, Zach. So you're ideally placed to to tell us about his career, which I know has been derailed by injuries. Of late, has been with Schalke, which is where Axel Schuster got to know him as well. But before we get your thoughts on him. Gemma from Canadian Press had a chat with Axel this week. So 
she asked him about Sani and what Axel basically said was, and this is exact quote here, he gets a chance to train with us here on a very high level and he's used he's used here like a full squad player. So he can test himself out, his body out, is his body ready after all those injuries to tolerate such a load and the load in camp is very high. For us, it's great to have such a player who is, by his normal potential, far better than the players that we are used to having in our squad. A damning indictment, I would say there. I would maybe have picked those words a little bit better. He has a very high quality that you would only see in our league as a DP. And his status with the Whitecaps, Schuster said, is day-to-day. I mean, it sounds like it's maybe not a player that they're looking at bringing in. It's like he'll help them get their players fit, maybe up to a good level defensively. They get him fit. If there's no interest, maybe even by the summer, they could look at him. But it does sound like if he was brought in here, it would have to be as a DP. Yeah, and I don't think you want a 32-year-old Philippe Sané as, as a designated player. He he's a beast of a player. Like he is a huge center back. Um, I would take yeah. him then. <laughs> I've seen him. I've seen him play for play for Schalke, but I don't like. So he's like the size of Kendall Watson, but he mm. he's much slower than Kendall Watson. If my memory is correct, Ooh. my memory could be wrong. And Kendall was not the quickest. No, but Kendall actually no. Kendall was not bad at a, like in a in a. The, the injury Correct. side of it would concern me playing yeah. Oh, on yeah. a, That's the thing. an artificial he's, he's surface. He also was a part of some really horrible Schalke teams. Um, but before that, he played for Hanover, too. So I've seen him play for Hanover, I'm pretty sure, and definitely have seen him play a bunch for Schalke. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, if if injuries aren't an issue, I think he, he totally could be a great addition for, for Vancouver if it were to pan out that way. But I like not on crazy money. Like I, like may, may, maybe a ten player to stretch. But like mm. I, I, I don't know that he's even worth that. Now I don't know what his what his value would be. But yeah, obviously he's still without a club, which says a lot. So I think it's great. Great. It's I think I think Axel's right. It's great for for him personally uh, to to have the opportunity to train with a team like this. And it's good for the Whitecaps, whether they choose to sign him or he just provides a good level of competition in, in training for, for the rest of the squad. So it's a, like you said, it's a win-win. I mean, and, what if they offered him a six-month deal to the summer? Then he could see how he was yeah. here. And then... Yeah. That, that would we, make we, more sense. We would have the option to, to keep him here. Or if he wants to go back to Europe, maybe get a bit of money or something for him, or sign him for a year and say, look, in the summer, if you've got options, we'll let you go. Yeah. But my my worry would be that you get him here, he does well, and then he goes, and right away you've disrupted your back line at the yeah. most crucial part of the, the season. Yeah. But, yeah, that's true. That, he, that is he could fair. come here and struggle in the turf and get injured again. Yeah. But then you've also then the risk that you've tied money up in that case. Yeah. Yeah, the, for right now, I, I I think Axel's bang on in terms of this is a win-win for both sides. And if things develop one way or another, um, maybe they each help each other out. Mm. You know, who who knows? I mean, but if it was to come in, it's, but, it would spell I, the end of rankle, you've got to say as well. Uh, I guess, but I Just guess called up a Serbia as well for their game against the US, as has right. Julian Gressel, actually. Congratulations to Julian. Just become a US citizen and already got a call-up for... 
this admittedly MLS-based squad Wait, are we talking about the January camp? Are we talking about the US squad in this episode or not? No, did, I still haven't done that extra time. podcast yeah, yet. Yeah. I've, I've been, I've, there's so <laughs> many things I've planned to do this year, and I've been playing about with my emulation retro console and getting all my like arcade games set up and my Intellivision and my Atari games. And yeah, so, so I've been so, pissing away time in that. So uh, the, the bottom line with with Silly Sane is yeah, you, th- thirty plus games for Senegal is nothing to to to, to laugh at. Yeah. Uh, and my my only concerns would be one injuries and two, if my memory's right, pace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but he he if he did come to Vancouver, he could be a great player for them. Exciting. So we'll we'll keep our ear to the ground in that. I mean, another centre back from closer to home that could be. On the on the offer, I, I'd written in the notes chopping block, but that's not the that's not the phrase really. But he but, he could be up in the air like Kamal Miller at Montreal. But there's no way he's staying in MLS, is there? I I would think if Montreal are looking to move him, he's going to look overseas now. Yeah, they're entertaining offers for Kamal Miller, according to Christian Dyer, which is a bit surprising. I've got to say, I, I know like even the the guys on the Ball is Round podcast so high on Kamal Miller and what he brought to that back line. He was acquired uh, in 2021, I think it was, for 275000 in allocation money and they gave up their first round pick as well. So, I mean, if he does move on, it's going to be a big profit there. But... I mean, he would be a great addition, but yes, surely he's going to want to move out with the league now. Yeah, are, are you I, surprised Montreal don't want to keep him? Uh no, I, I don't think it's they don't want to keep him. I think they know that this is the best time to to move him to cash in on him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, he he must want to go. Well, I mean, a January transfer window in England. I don't know what it is for the rest of Europe as well. So, I mean, it's maybe a short window. They, officially, the transfer window for MLS doesn't actually open till the, the end of this month for bringing players in as well. Because I know a lot of folk have been concerned, oh, where's all the additions and stuff? So, I mean, the transfer window isn't officially open. And I know other clubs have been doing business. I mean, another player that seems on his way out of Montreal, Kai Kamara. He's asked well, he's, for he's a not, trade. He's not, he doesn't seem like it. <laughs> he doesn't want to be there. Well, yeah, but Montreal haven't said that they're going to let him go. Montreal seem very pissed off. In their reaction, they had a press conference um, for the, the local media there to, to chat about a number of things. That, that was one of them. Their spin on it is Kai went home to Africa said that he wasn't well, got a doctor's note that he couldn't make camp, and then served him with, I don't want to be here, it's not been a good off-season for me mentally, I want to move on. Lots of rumours swirling that he wants to link up with Wilfried Nancy in Columbus. The Columbus fans, not so welcoming of him back for what would be a third stint there. And a few of them, like when, when he was here, when Columbus were looking to get moved to Austin, Har had actually asked him about that. And he said something, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but only a little bit, 
oh, if I was Commissioner Garber, I'd for sure move them to Austin, which did not endear him to the Columbus fans. So a lot of them don't want him back in Columbus. But it does look like he's on his way out of Montreal. Would you take him back here? Ignore how he maybe left. Would you take him back here? Oh, I, you can't have enough Kai Kamara in your life. I agree. I, I think the fans here should should welcome him back with open arms if he chose to come here. Nine goals and seven assists last year for Montreal, where he was mainly off the bench, but then basically cemented himself as a starter at, at times to, down the stretch. Now, the reason I said forget about how he moved on here, there's been a lot of things that we've heard as to how he moved out of Vancouver. Now, he was offered a deal that he thought was not worth what he was worth. So Mark DeSantis basically didn't want him as a Whitecaps player. Yeah. And my understanding is the Whitecaps then made him an offer that they knew he was never going to take. Exactly. That's come out from Kai's camp and chatting to him down the road. So whether he would trust the Whitecaps, whether he's at a stage now of he'll go anywhere that's going to offer him a decent deal... Would the Whitecaps offer him a decent deal? He seems like this big striker that's got experience and could put the ball in the back of the net that we're crying out for. It's just... It would need to work in a two-striker system, I feel, but maybe not. Which I think he can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know whether the Whitecaps would operate in a two-striker system is more what I was meaning, because, yeah, very fluid, as we talked about in the last show. Right. So a few interesting things to, to keep our eye on. It, it, it would be, it would, yeah, I think it would be, yeah, obviously it's a very short-term solution for <laughs> up top. Yes. Or sorry, you think, because you you, you got to figure at some point he's not going to be able to keep having seasons like he did last year. Yeah. And like he did when, when oh, he was Well, you know it would be when he comes back to Vancouver, because that's the story for all strikers when they come to Vancouver. Yeah, but it could have been like that for the first time he came here and it wasn't. Yeah, so. that, that is very true. I, I loved him here. He was always a great guy to speak to as well and great on the pitch. No Whitecaps interviews in this show. As I said, we're mostly focusing on the, the CPL and the rest of it. We'll have a few. Haven't been able to nail down times to get the, the ones that I'm looking to get done yet with them being over in Spain, but we should hopefully get those done this week. Last thing, just a couple of things on, on Don Garber. <laughs> I had the misfortune of being on... I was going to say the media call. I, I watched the, the press conference on, on YouTube, so I wasn't... Anyone could have been on it, really. Uh, for the, the new Apple, they announced the announcers this week. Or oh, right. There's going to be over 100 announcers. How, how come they, you weren't in that group? Well, you're going to be in that group. I, I think any chance of me being in the group with what I'm about to say now is probably out the window anyway. Sit and listening to it. If you haven't, you can watch it on on YouTube. It started 15, 20 minutes late as well, which wasn't a, a great sign. And there's a couple of hot mic incidents as well, which oh. bodes well for the future. But I th I'm stunned that some people like Taylor Twellman and a couple of the others, I, I don't know how they were able to talk and praise Apple so much because they were clearly fellating them at the same time. So, I mean, that must have been a very difficult thing to do. My God, the, oh, Apple's the best thing since sliced bread. Once I got my Apple iPhone, all the things I can do, and I my camera on my iPhone, and iPhone this, and Apple this, I was like, oh, jeez, man. Is this what it's well, going it to be is, like for the whole year? Apple TV I mean, did, did bring the world to Ted Lasso. 
or the Ted Lasso show, I guess, not the inaugural Ted Lasso ske- mm. sketches, but no, I, I I didn't watch it, so I can't comment on how uh, it was. It was really over. How the they top were praising me. Apple, but that's not. I mean, they're praising their employer, Michael. That's not. Yeah, Bradley Wright Phillips was going on about New York Red Bulls, and Sasha Kleshton was there and stuff like that. And one of the hot mic things at the end was I don't know if it was Dawn or the Apple guy, but I think it was Dawn had said. Oh, a bit too much Red Bull stuff in there for my liking. <laughs> <laughs> and then the feed cuts. <laughs> so I don't know if that's still up. I haven't checked. But it's right at the end. It's gone dark and you just hear this hot mic. That is glorious. There was another hot mic bit where I can't, it was one of the Hispanic commentators. And I think it's Don again. Leans into the other guy and goes, he's going to be our star in this. You can just tell. Oh my! Pressure on him right away. But the other Don Garber thing is when it ended this part up. Don Garber was in Vancouver on Friday. Why? Why was he in Vancouver? Why? Why? Well, we don't know. But I, I want to end this. If anyone knows, let us know. Yeah. Okay. Are we gonna go back and forth on this? Yeah. Let's let's do okay. that. So okay. Glass City had tweeted out, "What's Garber doing in Vancouver?" Wrong answers only, and. <laughs> Like, honestly, this Twitter thread is just gold. Yeah. So, we, we, nothing to do with us. We just thought this was hilarious and well done for funny. Glass City and, and getting this and everyone else that left the answers. There are some tremendous ones in here. Let, let's just let's just rattle through some of these. If there's any that we're reading that you don't think's funny, we, we can skip them. But, okay. so, what, what is Don Garber doing in Vancouver? Greg Ollison. Actively helping the White Caps organization. Steve, unbolting the bike rack and accosting Nigeria Coker so that fanatics don't set up a shrine. <laughs> Try not to laugh when you read it. It's hard to understand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Smoke City, trying to launder unspent gam in Vancouver real estate. Wait, is your order different than mine? I think my order might be different from yours somehow. Okay, the one wolf. They need extra hands to use... You're laughing again as you read it. Sorry. It doesn't work. <laughs> they need extra hands to use Sharpies to put new sponsor on kit. <laughs> CMNT Domestic. Picking up his thank you card from John Herdman for all his help getting Canada to the World Cup. Wings Digitalism. Checking out that new Gastown Stadium location. <laughs> Johnny Monster. Greg Anderson signed him by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you'd like you gotta that love one. the monster. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Rob Renfrew telling Kerfoot to take it down a notch from all the social media stuff he's doing. <laughs> Jared, MLS All Star Game for sure. Can't wait. Now, in all seriousness, with that, I've asked Garber about that, and the Whitecaps have an All Star Game whenever they want it. They've just to say to MLS, we want to host it this year. And they'll get to host it. Just taking the mood down from comedy to serious there. Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. We won't talk about that. Okay. Uh, Ben Cooper Whitecats announcing a second MLS franchise in Vancouver, the Vancouver 86ers. I think we have completely different ones here, which is good. City of Losers 604, looking after Russell James Tybert's houseplants whilst he's in Spain. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Um, Walter Sue, uh, or Walter Sue, announcing the Caps was 
bought by someone that actually cares. If it's hopefully it's not Aquilini. I've been following some of the Canuck stuff of late. Uh, Every day, mister, moving the organisation to Albuquerque. <laughs> Hot dog. Is that the Simpsons one? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that, the song wasn't. The song was by no. Prefab Sprite. Uh, Brian, giving us Garber Bucks on the, on the sly. I don't think you read this one. Uh, Atomic FC announcing Vancouver Whitecaps are getting renamed to Langley Whitecaps. <laughs> Do you know, see when you Google Vancouver FC, and we'll come to them shortly, Vancouver Whitecaps comes up first. Likewise, when you Google CPL, it comes up Caribbean Premier League. So they need to do a little bit of work in that. Yeah. I'll do this Craig, one while you're looking. Gavin Craig, Johnston hanging tough with Stevie Nash. Nice. Craig Class pleading with the Caps not to go with Saks underwear as their new kit sponsor. <laughs> Carlos A. He was arranging the sale of the White Caps to a US bidder. Oh, wait, you said wrong answers only. Michael Phillips, making sure Whitecaps FC sign a sponsor in time to print the shirts before the League Cup starts. Yeah, I'm curious to see what they wear for these friendlies that's coming up, whether it's just taped over jerseys or, or what. Uh, now, Thomas Hewitt says, telling EA Vancouver to make MLS player ratings higher. Hold up, that might actually be it. Funny he should mention that, because after the show last week, I thought, do you know what would be an interesting shirt sponsor? EA Sports. That would be a, a great one, although, uh, you know, it'd be great regardless. It's weird, uh, not weird. It's a, it actually might be a, the ideal time for them. Yeah, cause because they've lost they, the FIFA rights. Exactly, because their, their, their new game is just going to be called football, whatever. So maybe it would be a good time for them to get that out there in a, in a I, way I like this. I think it would, it would be fantastic. It would be some shirt sales as well that yeah. could be interesting. Football Manager is another one. I know, like, they've sponsored yeah. Wimbledon in the past and. Like, something like that, you, you want something... Like, I, I've spoken before, I've bought shirts partly because of the sponsor sometimes. I collect shirts that are sponsored by bands. So, yeah. oh, I've just thought of the ideal band that could sponsor the... The shirts, our good friend Kunt. No, I don't think so. Oh. Okay, I think we've run into each other because I think you started from the bottom and I started at the top. Well, I started from what was the top in mind, but... Because uh, I've run into a bunch of yours now. Oh, yeah, I've now got yours. Peter Johnson says, clarifying the salary rules. Yes, please, that would be nice. Did you read uh, Jody Dubix leading no. a team of MLS execs to review Whitecaps front office to learn best practices from a leading organization <laughs> to be shared with the franchises entering the league? Tybert Fan says, negotiating BC Ferries to be the new corporate sponsor. That would be horrible. <laughs> Noel Allen, he does not go to the regular season much like the Whitecaps fans unless you are giving $20,000 worth of stuff. Well, just read a, a, a couple more now. I've run into some of yours. Oh, yeah, Kevin, I like this one because it just says bird spotting. Because if anyone didn't see Garber's thing, the initial message from oh, him. Oh, yeah. He's obviously down at Canada Place, and it's just a seagull. And it says, yeah. not so beautiful here in Vancouver. Even this guy wanted to get out of the rain. And it's a very wet seagull. A good good photo, though, Joel, so maybe he is. Maybe he's Joel, into ornithology. Joel Prosser just tweeted out the gif uh, from Avengers Endgame. Don't. Don't. Oh, uh, so that's what that's Hawkeye from. says don't. And... Uh, 
Black Widow says, don't what? And he says, don't give me hope. <laughs> the, there's tons more here. So I'm only going to, I think, let's just do one more. Unless there's anything else that grabs you. I got one last one. If okay, you, you, you do this then. Uh, JP Getchapol, making Axel hire an actual coach. Oh, you ended on a negative. Sorry, that was, you said, okay, you do a better one. Um. Okay, <laughs> This isn't much more positive, but it made me laugh. TB Head Kawid. I have no idea what this might say. Congratulating the Whitecaps on becoming a top 25 club. <laughs> In MLS, they are. You can't argue with facts. I think the coat was top 25 in the world, though. I, I, was, I was missing that. Hey, look, he's just got an MBE or something, so he knows what he was talking about. Who? Who does? Um, Thing me, Bob. Brighton guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Burn. No, uh, yeah. No, uh, that's Paul Burn. Um, Barber. Gar who? Barber. Barber, yeah. yeah. Paul, Paul Barber. Barber. He got an MBE, I believe, or an OBE, but I think it was an MBE. Look how well Brighton's doing. Anyway, yeah, let us know why you think Don Garber might have been in Vancouver just to steal that from Glass City. I mean, genuinely, it is a puzzle. Maybe he's just going around all the clubs just now, just speaking to the executives, but... It would be nice if it was because they've decided to have the League's Cup final here or something. Because we're, we're known for our strong Mexican contingent in the city. Maybe it's the only place that they could have it that they're not going to have bags of piss thrown at the pitch. I, do, I, do they do that when the games are in the States much? Or? I don't know. I, I, I do, but that's just... I, I don't know them. I don't oh, like yeah, going to the toilet sure. if I'm missing the, missing the game. Anyway. I remember dudes used to tell me about their experiences on the cop at in in, in at Anfield, where sometimes Pissing in pockets down the back of the leg. Yeah, but it was they would they would aim for like if someone put a rolled up program in their back pocket, they would just. It was like that, uh, like Parkhead and Ibrox at Hamden and stuff as well. That's horrendous. Yeah. Oh, we're we're scum. I spoke from the UK. <laughs> Anyway, that is it for the first part of the show. That's it for the MLS chat. We're turning our attention next to the Canadian Premier League in the next few parts. We'll be back with that after this. I am Tommy Wilden Jr. and you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. He's alright, but he's wrapped round a lamppost on 
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month. All month long, for January here at AFTN, we're paying tribute to Terry Hall, that sadly passed away just before Christmas, former lead singer of The Specials and a number of other bands, and we're playing songs that encompass his whole career this month to, to kick off all the parts. I, I'm doing that. He was a very special person to me and his music was just part of my childhood growing up so much. That was a song from The Specials, taken from their second album, More Specials, in 1980, and that was Stereotypes. So, we're turning our attention now to the Canadian Premier League, and in this part, we're going to do a, a quick CPL year in review, look at the demise of FC Edmonton, and look at the way ahead, some of the expansion rumours and, and stuff that has been going on just now. For the year in review, we're not going to go into it too, too thoroughly. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, whenever we do CPL-themed shows, they do get less listeners than the, the non-ones. That's why I had the MLS stuff at, at the part as well. I'd say it's like 20 to 25% less that we kind of get in downloads and listens, really, when we have a CPL-focused show, which yeah, is that all, partly all understandable, all, but also yeah. partly concerning. But I think it'll change in the Yeah, in just because we, we want to cover the league, but at some point, if you're if folk are switching off and not wanting to hear that, it, it's something we might have to, to look at. But... We do want to cover all aspects of the game, particularly in BC and across Canada. But yep, the 2022 CPL season, the first proper season really that was played since the, since the very the first, first one, one yeah. which is crazy. You're in year four and they, they finally got some coast-to-coast games, COVID restrictions were list, lifted and... But we'll split this into two parts, the regular season and the playoffs. And, I mean, the regular season, it was exciting to the end in terms of the positioning of the top four. But the top four was pretty much cut and dried, quite a bit to go before the, the end of the season, which is one of the bad things about the 4-4 four and four split, because you had Valor in 5th, York in 6th, Halifax in 7th, and Edmonton in 8th. Some of those were cut adrift sooner than others but they ended the season with very little really to play for apart from maybe coaches looking at players for bringing back next year or scouting to bring into them for next year you had the top four really that kind of ran away with it but their positions just changed so much over the year and it ended up with Pacific in fourth on 46 points from the 28 games one point better in third were Calgary in 47 points. And then on the same points in second were Forge that had the way better goal difference, plus 22 to Cavalry's plus six. And Pacific were only plus three, if we're looking at that. And then leading the way on 49 points was Atletico Ottawa winning the regular season for the first time. A record of 13 wins, 10 draws and just five defeats over the course of the season, if they'd been able to turn some of those draws into to wins, they'd have won that regular season at a canter. But, I mean, looking at the regular season, Zach, it, it was enjoyable, but the, the, the way that the split worked out, you've got to try and... 
I feel have something for these clubs that get cut adrift a little bit early. Just keep that interest going in the fan base. Yeah. It's not yet relegation, but hopefully one day. Yeah, I, I was going to say FC Edmonton. I mean, I guess they did sort of have a relegation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they did. <laughs> they went down. The up-and-comers from Langley have taken their place. We'll come to that shortly. But, I mean, were you surprised? Like, Valor? Surprised, yeah, by, by Letigo Ottawa. I, yeah, I mean, they were... Not, uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't even think... I thought Valor would make the playoffs. At the expense of Ottawa, I, I thought Forge, Cavalry, and Pacific I, would make it. I thought Val, one of Valor or York might get in, yeah. York, of course, had made the playoffs the season before, and then they finished sixth this year with Martin Nash's first season and, in charge, a baptism of fire in a, a number of ways. And they had a, a you know, what for them will, will be, a, you know, their best ever cup run to the semifinals of the Voyager's Cup. Yes, true. So there was that as well. Pacific... I mean, their season, they were involved, obviously, in the, the CONCACAF League. Um, I keep calling it the Champions League, but it's the CONCACAF League. And that hit them a little bit. And ultimately, yeah. I mean, they led the way for a spell, then they had a bad spell, and then they picked it up a little bit. But, I mean, that front, those top four could have been in any order. And what will come to the playoffs... Yeah, if you're a Pacific fan, you're definitely different, I think, disappointed, you know, not, you know... Getting back to the final, but also I think in not coming first in the in the league because you felt I don't know if it was you, Michael, but I felt there was at least a, once or twice where they had gotten to the summit, and you thought, okay, now they're going to hold it, yeah, and then they and then they bundled it. Yeah, I mean the um, but the playoffs. It was first v fourth, second v third, and we're back to a two legged playoff, which I was quite pleased by. I, I quite like having the one legged final. But I quite liked having the two-legged semis. Yeah, I, that's that's fair, I guess. I mean, it's, it's helpful in terms of the gate for you know both teams, and it's. I don't know when I you know, see I some think... of the attendances. I was just looking at these attendances just now. No, so, they weren't great. I don't no, think. No, I mean but... Pacific played Ottawa, and it was two late goals in the first leg that was their undoing. Tabla yeah. in the seventy ninth, Zach Verhoeven coming back to haunt them five minutes yeah. in at stoppage time, giving Ottawa the two 0 win. It was over by then, wasn't it? Don't let's not talk about that, please. Yeah. I, I, I just we won't go into that. But they actually took the lead in the second leg in Ottawa. Melur Giguer, I was bored of that name. Um, taking the lead in the twenty-third minute before Shaw got the goal that saw Ottawa over the line with seven minutes to go. Now the yeah. the attendance in Langley in that first leg just under thirty-eight hundred. You mean Langford? Oh yes, I'm gonna get. Oh, this is good. Then I'm gonna. Oh, I've already done this when I was recording some other stuff. Um, yes, in Langford, the the Lang Derby. That's what we're we're going for. It was just under thirty eight hundred. There was even less of them in, in Langley watching the game. I, I believe, but I was disappointed with that though. It's it's just yeah, just disappointing. It's a Saturday, and. Four o'clock kickoff, and that's all you're drawing for a semi-final. Yeah, I think partly because the, I think part of the reason, right, was because their positioning in the in the league table wasn't determined till like was the last was it even the last day I think or was it the second last match day? I, think I thought it was, it was near the, the end. Ultimate, yeah, yeah. 
And so it felt like they didn't have the, the quite the window to sell, you know, but you still would expect based on being the the champions and having a aside from the Voyager's Cup, having a, a like an a season with a lot of bright spots on it, you both in the in the league and in the CONCACAF league that they would have drawn more for that game. Ottawa actually do nearly eight and a half thousand for the the second leg, so I mean, that was good for them. The other semi-final, the old foes, Calgary, Cavalry and Forge. Cavalry and Forge. They, they, they playing Langley well. their game? Oh, yeah, they were playing in Langley as well. They'd be as well to. They only drew just over 3,000 for it, which Cavalry's numbers have definitely dipped. But that was a good game. Klomp opened the score yeah. for the Cavs in the first half, just before halftime. Forge tied it up just after. And then Forge won the second leg 2-1 which again was made interesting with Bevan scoring with 12 minutes to go. Mm. That set up an Ottawa Forge final. And then the dynasty, three times in four years. Hojapur, again, the second straight championship game. He scored, different team this time. And sure was Wasn't it a near post header on a corner again? I can't even remember. I think it was very, very similar. I remember yeah. us talking I about it. I remember deja vu, a lot yeah. of deja vu. But it was a 2-0 win for Forge. They're the champs once again. Great for Forge. Full credit to what Bobby's done there. It, it's great in one sense to have that dynasty. It's not great for the league if it's like, oh, Forge have won again. I think it's okay. I, I do. We talked about this at the time, I believe. It's very similar to DC United, right, in MLS. It's It's not a... It's not a bad. It's not a bad thing. If Forge win, maybe nine out of ten. Okay, maybe then you could, or you know, six out of seven or whatever. Maybe then it's kind of discouraging. But, um, you know, at such an early stage of a of a of a league like this, but I think three out of four having a dynasty like that is not doesn't have to be seen as a negative. No, everyone knows if, the if standard. Right? Another three out of four, though, it's not. I, I guess actually, I, the caveat to that is the the setup of the league and knowing that you know the, the people who uh you know started the league is you know they're the ones who are winning right like yes bob young's coverage there is that there is that that is different than other leagues and i know i'm i mean my first love in club football is a team that has won their league you know the last 10 years on the trot so uh, i'm not opposed to the the cream rising to the top and and staying there but yeah this this league is a little bit different i, I thought for a bit of fun we would look at the eight teams and we would kind of sum up their season in one to three words. So let's start at the bottom. FC Edmonton. Uh, dead and buried. That'll be my three words for them. Yeah, my, my one word was bro. <laughs> relegation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Halifax Wanderers. It's, I'd, I'd just go with the one. I think disappointing they I was just go... haven't built on what looked like they had in year two into the wilderness mm. that was my three oh, words I like the, that. Big, the big thing for them is right they've now moved on from Stephen Hart right yeah so yeah, it's a kind and of a... gonna gonna speak to uh their new head coach who I know a little bit from his time at Seneca so we'll have him on a show coming up in the weeks to come yeah so so for them Again, not not going too deep for them, 
it's kind of a bit of an you know four years it's it's the end of an era with you know moving on from from uh Stephen Hart the so the on field uh will for them you know will hopefully have you know a breath of fresh air and they can move forward and make progress and all that kind of stuff the the thing they don't need to change and they don't want to change they just want it to keep getting better is that they are that they have that they have created that they work hard at the the best atmosphere in the whole league oh, and the best yeah. stadium and all that kind of stuff i mean it might not be the best stadium stadium but you know what i mean like stadium no, I, I, love it. I all, have all to stuff, get right? to a game there yeah. at some point uh york united i would go work to do uh, i was just gonna mine was i kind of said it before i was just gonna say great cup run mm, that's fair valor agonizingly close because I feel they're agonisingly close to getting into that top four and they've just been undone the last couple of seasons. I spent some time in uh, on my travels this year with some with some people from Winnipeg. And yeah, I feel really bad for them. I, I feel like they they all long for they all long to not be owned by the Winnipeg CFL side. That's and, not gonna happen. No. Well, not any not anytime soon, but it could no. happen. But I do I, I have heard people say it's not an open secret that if, if anyone wanted to go into Winnipeg and invest in the in the club, they could own it. <laughs> um but that's that's probably harder harder said than said than done. Or e- easier said than done, I should say. Um so yeah, three words for them. Um for I, I was gonna say more disappointment for Valor. That's fair. More disappointment. For Pacific, striking issues illuminated because they never replaced that striker in the second half of the season. Yeah, and that's that was their downfall, really. I, you know, honestly, my word for them is it was actually transition because mm. they it was a season where they transitioned away from kind of they have a they sort of have a model which I think you'll see yeah. in, in Langley where they they want to bring in players for like three years. And if you know, either move them on, uh, and you know, and make money off them like they did with some of those players, or just move on from them because they're not they're not developing enough and they're not good enough and, yeah. and whatever. So for me, it was Pacific, even though they were the holders and there'd be the disappointment around not doing better or winning, winning something in the in the in the fourth year. I think it was a year just of transition for them. And, and and the transition didn't go particularly well, so it feels like this season is going to be a, a, another year of transition, especially just you know the off field stuff. Well, I mean, I, I think think they're transitioning to not having a squad for. No, they have a, They have a squad. Plus, they got Ingaro. He's like a whole squad by himself. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Cavalry, another disappointing failure. Yeah. See, I. The, for me, I was just the, the three words. The Cavs keep marching. Like I know they they haven't been able to get the titles they want, but they are still consistently like one of, if not the best teams in this league. Like I know we talk about the Forge dynasty, but they have not a dynasty because yeah. they have no silverware. But they they are to me like. They are, I know the off-field, like this, the support in the community isn't at the level it should be. They have good, some great supporters there. Um, it's really but, dipped. But it's, they like, they're on-field, they're so good. Like, yeah, I think if you, if you had, 
if you had Tommy Wielden and the players he's had, I think if you oh, oh aside, as taking Forge out of the equation because maybe they're a mix of both of these things, but if you had Tommy Wielden as a coach and the players he's had mixed with the atmosphere in Halifax, that's the best of this of this of the CPL outside of Forge, right? Mm-hmm. O- yeah. Over the four over I'd, the four I'd, years, I'd say so. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I they they, they uh, to me again aside from Forge, they're like the most consistently quality side in the league and i i, I don't i know it's a results-based business and they haven't got the silverware and whatever yeah i worried they, for tommy um i've got to say i'm a little surprised he's still there i'm glad he's still there but i thought oh will they possibly like pull the the plug on him now but i think he has to get something this year um maybe not but i uh, i don't know I mean, for him personally, I hope he does. Yeah. Um, because I think he is great at what he does, and he works has worked so hard at it, and we know he's continuing to work hard at it. But, yeah. Uh, Ottawa, the runners up surprise packages. Uh, I was just gonna, I was gonna say this is maybe harsh, but they went from they went from eighth, right? Yeah. The previous year. Yeah, I was gonna say resurrection. Oh, so they say zero to hero. Yeah, I know they're yeah zero to hero is another great one. Uh yeah, they were really poor the year before, and so to go all the way to win the to win the league, the league standings, I think is tremendous for them. And Forge, one word for me, Dynasty. Why well, I, I see Dynasty. Oh. <laughs> you, you also, what are, what are you having for dinner? Uh baked potato. Oh, okay, that's good. I don't I don't say potato, but I thought maybe you might say that. Of course. FC Edmonton are no more, and Zach. Whoa, 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 whoa! They're not no more. They're, they're on. They're on. Well, they're no on. So they're on hiatus. Yes, this. Yeah. Yes. Whether they come back though as FC Edmonton, though, exactly. is another they, question. I think if you want, they've gone the way of the goats. That's how the best mm. way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, and they didn't come back. Sure, they did. They got their LAFC slaughtered. Yeah, but they didn't come back as the goats. They're still. That's the same organization, dude. Now you went to Edmonton in the summer. Got us some great audio that we never used because you wanted to write your article first that you never wrote. I'm so sorry. I might bring it out as an extra podcast just so folk can hear it now. We absolutely should. Okay, well, we'll do that then. We won't talk tons about it here. No. Uh, So subscribe to the extra podcast and you get that. But it was announced in late November by the commissioner, Martin Noonan. I mean, we spoke to him a couple of weeks before when Har and me ambushed him at the Vancouver FC event to ask him about it. And he said a decision would have to be made soon. It was made. And basically the team has gone on hiatus officially for 2023. In the official release, he said, I made it clear since I became commissioner that we needed certain conditions in each of our markets for our clubs to be successful on and off the field. After careful review, these conditions simply didn't exist at FC Edmonton consistently resulting in the smallest league average attendance, lowest revenue and poor performance in the standings, despite incremental league investment. The diehard supporters and soccer community of Edmonton deserve better. The CPL are actively engaged in discussions with who they say is world-class ownership groups about bringing a new team to Edmonton with more favourable conditions or want to can establish more favourable conditions in the market. They basically said that Clark Stadium is not fit for purpose as well. I mean, Edmonton is too big a city with too big a rich soccer history not to have a team in the CPL 
I feel. But can they support it? Is it sustainable? If they get a winning team on the pitch, will the fans come out? Talk about and maybe when we do the extra podcast, we can talk about all the issues and and. But there's a there's a tremendous amount that needs to to be done there. Um, you need to invest in the in the like you, you you need to rebuild a football club there. Like that's the bottom line. From you know a stadium to uh, connections into the community to you know actual marketing. You know there's lots that needs to be done in, in, to make. A, a club successful in Edmonton that was not done to it, not not done to you know to the to the right level, yeah, under the fath. So I mean, I, yeah. I feel so much for Alan Koch putting through. Oh, yeah. that. I mean, to, to do May, what he yeah. did to get the wins that he got and with the makeshift squad, and I mean, it's tough. He's moving. If folk don't know, to New Zealand, he's going to be the director of a soccer academy down there. So great for. For Alan, he's always looking for these new opportunities. I mean, Edmonton could bounce back in 2024 if they get a, a proper investment, proper owners that the league are looking for. We know that Vancouver FC are coming into 2023 to take their place. It'll be an eight-team league. We'll talk about Vancouver FC in the next part. Which, which that's, I mean, that's the, the, if you could say the one positive thing for the league yeah. itself is they're not going to another awkward you know a team that has a bye this yeah. week or that week or whatever and that yeah I, I i think we've seen in north america that you can i think a couple examples in north america and obviously we don't want this this situation to last as long as either of these did but you've seen what happened with the goats with chivas usa you know the, going on hiatus and coming back is something more meaningful in the community and i think you could see that there and the other thing is you could say in a to a different degree uh you know look at mls in florida right they started in florida with two teams and it will and then they mm. shut those down now they're back with two teams obviously many many years later but yeah, they're back with two, two teams, in florida, teams and, and they're and they're doing yeah. relatively well so you kind of you you've we've seen it happen in north america where i think as much as we you know in the past we've made fun of edmonton as a city yeah. and the but and you the, want you, them in you want them there right um and so yeah cavalry need a rival in the province yeah oh, and that's totally. how you that's how and, you you grow the game and, and the, there needs more teams as well. And the pretty like Saskatchewan's got to get this team. I believe the stadium is still open for public discussion. It's been through the first part and there's still there's more. Yeah, there's still stuff going on place. with it. Yeah. Quebec still needs to get a team. Um I've been when I spoke to the guys at CS San Laurent, they they've got their team now in the PLSQ and they'd love to, to, to jump up. And I'm amazed that they're they're still not in Quebec. Quebec City is just ideal to to have a team. So hopefully that's coming soon. From what I've been told by folk in local BC soccer circles, Kelowna looks a shoo-in to be bringing a team in in 2024 to be the third team in BC, which would give a little bit of a rivalry to Cavalry as well. You're kind of halfway between Vancouver and, and Calgary in terms of that. I think that's a great landing spot for the league. There's a big yeah. appetite for the game out in the Okanagan. Yeah. There's some great players there as well. And I mean, r right now you've got Thompson Rivers that are the U Sport champions on the men's side as well. 
So, I mean, that looks like that would be coming. That would make it lopsided. So whether Edmonton would come in as the 10th team or do we get a Quebec or a Saskatchewan team in to be the yeah, 10th I'm, team as well? Yeah, I mean, that. That I think that's hopefully part of what they're, they're working at with you know the league as a whole is saying, hey, as we bring in teams, we need to bring them in pairs so we can keep an even number. And yeah, yeah what, how, wherever or however that works best, I hope hopefully that, you know, that's part of what their plan is going forward. The 2023 CPL season is going to get underway in April. The Canadian Championship's also going to get underway early. It's going to be in April this year as well. I believe the preliminary round stroke first round games are the week beginning April 10th. So it's going to be interesting to see whether the CPL season starts just before it or just after that. If it's just after it, it's going to be a pretty level playing field if, for example, TSS get Vancouver FC. Um, so we'll, we'll see how all that goes. There was meant to be, remember when the league started their first season, they had a pre-season in the Dominican Republic and all the teams oh, yeah, went yeah, there. Yeah. I believe the plans were this year that the teams are all going to go to Madrid. But for whatever reason, that seems to have fallen through. So the teams are all kind of left to their, their own devices at the moment. So we'll, we'll see how all that plays out. Mm, yeah, that'd be nice to do something again like that. Um, it's unfortunate it, well, for whatever reason it hasn't worked out this time. But um, yeah, I think there was also, if you remember though, there were there were some naysayers you know, for that process in the Dominican. Do you remember? I believe our, yeah. our friend Tommy was not really keen on having a preseason where you're going to be playing all that years No, I, I agree. I don't think it, it's great. I mean, that's been a big thing. But it, that but the thing is, complained went, about for the Whitecaps, or you're playing the same team. No, but the, the thing, if you went to Madrid, you don't have to play each other in Madrid. There's lots no. of teams that are close by. I, I can't think either who would possibly be, have been pushing for Madrid. But anyway. Yeah, who who could it have been? Who, who, who? Anyway, that is it for our, our quick look back at the CPL in 2022 and a quick look ahead to 2023. Of course, the big news for the CPL in 2023 is there's a new team in town, Vancouver FC. And we'll be back chatting about them after this. Hi, I'm Martin Nash and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is another song from Terry Hall's back catalogue from his band Funboy 3 from 1982, taken from their self-titled debut album. It was the second single released by the band as well. It reached number four in the UK charts and number 49 in the US club play charts. That was Ain't What You Do. It's the way that you do it. Which maybe should be the mantra 
for Vancouver FC going into their inaugural season. Doesn't matter what you do, just get a winning team on the pitch by the end of it and you'll get the bums on the seats. Because they have targeted, Zach, that they want to be competitive. They don't want to be an expansion team. They want to be competitive from the, the outset. It's been a little bit of a slow build, publicly at least so far. The Not a lot of players announced. At the time of recording this, which is Monday the 16th, there's been six players signed by Vancouver FC and they've got their two U-Sport draft picks as well. My understanding is there's 11 to 12 players that have signed, so these will be coming out this week as they announce it. I also believe that training for a, a lot of these guys has got underway this week as well. The the six players signed so far, goalkeeper Callum Irvin, we'll talk about him in the next part, defender Khalil John Wentworth, defender Rocco Romeo, the most recent guy that was just announced, midfielder Elliot Simmons, two forwards, Mohamedou Kane and Nathaniel St. Louis. Any concerns that this is all there is? Or are you still thinking, hey, there's a long way to go? Yeah, there's still three three months of the season to go. In Afshin, we trust. Yeah, no, I'm not concerned yet. Um, I think, yeah, they, I mean, one of the conversations I've had, had with them is about, is about information and is about news. So I believe that this, um, this this slow drip, as opposed to you know turning the hose on full full uh, with the player announcements, is uh, you know helps that there's more things for them to share and talk about. You saw them on their on their different channels. They're mm. talking about. Uh, well, I mean, it know, keeps them in the public trust. eye. I, I yeah. guess it's just the fans are impatient. We're impatient. No, I mean, mediaism. Well, I was going to say mediaism. Patient. No, but I think it's much. That's a whole other they, topic. It's much better they do it this way as opposed to all whatever dozen at, at once and then and then you're waiting till march for the you know or february march for the rest right I yeah think, i mean uh, i've yeah. seen a lot of criticism oh we don't know the jerseys yet we haven't had stadium renderings and it's just yeah. the impatience the, the, which is partly the, the excitement as well the stadium you just have the, to trust that everything is yeah in place. the stadium thing is a little bit concerning because mm. um I, I th- they've got the foundations that. in people that were out yeah. at the recent fesl visl all-star game took some some photos as well yeah but you do wonder with this weather is everything going to be up in time for the start of the season are we going to see the team on the road for the first few games yeah i think that's a possibility i know i've heard lots of people asking about you know when's the schedule coming like or just around the league yeah. not just in this area i know you want to kind of plan trips and stuff as well yeah for me it would definitely help to plan life to have to have that schedule yeah i'd also like the league one bc one to come out as well because i have to plan like some holidays and amongst yeah. commentary and amongst white cap stuff so, so last year supposedly it came out end of january beginning of february and it's supposed to, and i've all i've heard is that that it should be on course for that as well so you could see it as early as next week i think but um but don't don't hold me to that <laughs> oh I will, um, I will hold you to that <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we'd be good to, to have that. We're going to sit down with Rob Friend as well just to chat about it. I'd hope to try and have it for this show, but again, my pissing about on YouTube and with retro game emulators, I've kind of gone behind with what I had planned to do. So we'll have Rob coming up in a in a future show just talking about how things are going and, and various things as well. If we look at the players signed, now obviously Callum Irvin, talk about him in the next part but i mean that that's a that's a great strong start yeah 
yeah, he's known here. You know what he can mean to this team, and he's going to have a big part to play on and off the pitch in growing this team in the the local community. So we know that's a good addition. A couple of other guys with experience in the CPL. Elliot Simmons was one of the mm-hmm. other early announcements. Twenty four year old from Luton in England has spent time with Halifax in twenty nineteen three seasons with Cavalry and now making the move to Vancouver FC. So th- three CPL sides in the four and a bit season so far. He's He's got previous experience as well. Only thing I don't like about him is he came through the MK Dons youth oh, right. career. So yeah. usually those guys are persona non grata to me. But if I can speak to him and he badmouths MK, then that's okay, I'll support him. Okay. That is basically how most Wimbledon fans feel. If they disown MK Dons once they've left them, then it's okay. So will he need security when he does his interview with you then? Possibly. I, I joke. He is a good player, but he's he's a guy that knows the league. And I think this team needs a, a big splattering of that in there of guys that do know the league. Only one goal in his four CPL seasons so far. I know the Halifax fans loved him and they were very disappointed that he moved on from there. But yeah, but are you expecting much from, from him? I think the, of all these guys they brought in, aside from Cal- Callum, like I haven't watched them a lot. Like I haven't, or sorry, not that I haven't, I haven't paid attention to, to them as individual players as much, you know? Um. So yeah, no, I, it'll be... It's hard to comment, like, it's like when you're looking at a puzzle and you can only see, like, five these five or six pieces or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, how what's the puzzle going to be? And you're like, well, you hope it comes together to be something, you know, beautiful or nice or whatever. But time, you know, time will tell. Yeah. I, I, I don't think any of the ones, any of these initial signings that have happened, uh, none of them are, like, uh, ones the, I'm con- concerned yeah. about in a negative way. Yeah, and with, with Callum, you're like excited in a you know very excited yeah. in a positive way. I mean, a guy like Mamadou Kane, I'm thinking he's a depth player. He was with York. He was with FC Edmonton. He's been capped uh, under 17 level for Canada. So I mean, a lot of potential there. He's a six foot forward, but he's only 19. So he's maybe one for the future that they're looking at. I I guess Rocco Romeo. 22-year-old centre-back, which is their most recent signing, is maybe the most exciting of all all those other outfield players. He came through the TFC Academy. He played with TFC 3, TFC 2, went over to to Europe uh, to to play in the the Danish Football League with HP Koga, re-signed with TFC but didn't actually play for them, went back over to Denmark, and then he's played for Valor in 2021 and 2022. Four goals from his 40-odd appearances. As a centre-back, I mean, you're not looking ideally for goals, you're just looking for them to keep the ball out of the net. But he he's a guy, I was impressed by him with Valor. I think this is a good pickup for them. I've heard uh, a number of positive things about him from people in Ontario, like even be- like before this, like last year or the year before. So I... Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I've seen him play a little bit for Valor. Um, yeah, hoping that he can be uh, someone who s- contributes significantly. Yeah. So well, again, it, it's hard to it, it's hard to it's hard to say. 
because yeah what is he going to be is he is he going to be like a is he a in your mind michael is he a spot-on starter I would say so, yeah. I yeah. still have to obviously see the rest of the squad, but to me, exactly. but, I think but, he's so, coming as a starter. I think, so even, I think even only if, Ir- Irvin and him, for me, would be the two starters, maybe Simmons. Yeah. So at the moment, even if that is the case, I'm like, who's he playing next to, right? Who's he playing with in the back? Yeah. <laughs> like, is it three at the back? Is yeah, it, exactly. Is it four at the back? Exactly. So it's like, it's like we're looking at a few pieces of a puzzle that it's hard to say how it's all going to fit together. Yeah, definitely a lot more questions and answers so far on the the players coming in, but there is some more to get announced. Hopefully it's a bit more experience and some local guys as well. I know they want to fill it with a local a smattering, more than a smattering of local talent. Um, the, the club had trials last week out at Newton Athletic Park in Surrey on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Over 100 players turned up, 100 hopefuls. Some, I think, were being really hopeful compared to others I, I kind of mid-30s overweight guy in the middle of the park maybe he didn't really have hopes of, real hopes of getting into the team but good for him he's living the dream I, I thought you were talking about me for a second but at one I wouldn't have been in the middle of the whole park and two I'm no longer in my mid-30s I, I, I think next year we had a little chat about this before we recorded AFTN should sponsor a player pay their fee 200 bucks nice little money earner for Vancouver FC having all those guys in. But I think they should we should sponsor a player through the trials. One that we think might get through though, not just a, a young hopeful, but one of the maybe local VMSL talents or League One guys. And hopefully pay his fee to get to the trials. He gets picked up, gets on the team, we've got all that coverage. That would be the way to go. But there were there was a lot of standout performers at the trials. And some guys that I saw, Victory Shambusho from UBC, certainly stood out. What they did on the final day, they had four 11v11 games. And from what I was told from some folks that were watching it, two of the pitches were the ones to watch, and the other two were the guys that probably weren't really going to make it. After every group kind of finished, Afshin Gotby sat down with them and said, you're all going to get emails, thank you for coming, thank you for your time this week. You'll either be invited into training camp from Monday this week. Uh, you'll be invited back to some future closed trials or you've reached the end of the road. Thank you. We'll keep an eye on you. Just keep working. We'll maybe see you next year. So there's going to be a lot of obviously disappointed folks Some people that know it. There was players from all across Canada. There was a Belize international as well called Pele, a defender. He actually really stood out for me. I, I liked a lot. Look of him. He plays for Cal Poly uh, Pomona in NCAA Division 2. So he was good. A giant Ghanaian centre-back as well that must have been about eight foot tall. Or he kind of felt that way. So he he was good. He was on one of the two pitches of the players to watch. Was, that, other... one of the guys, was that one of the guys who's always messaging, asking for to get connected? Do you forget well, those might messages? be. I get a lot of DMs from yeah. people that is like, oh, can you get us a club? It's like, no, nope, yeah. I'm a podcast. You can play for yeah. the AFTN if you want, but we'll, maybe I'll sponsor one of these guys to come to the trials next year. That would be our story. And then he never shows like, up on our 200 It sounds like one of those people who message, like, hey, can you get me connected? Yeah, I think we all get so many of these messages coming through. But Mihai Hodut from UBC also impressed. He wasn't there in the later things. He had to, to leave. Uh, Nima Moenzi from BB5 was a player that stood out. He's a midfielder. And Afshin has actually scouted, not this weekend, but the three weekends before, 
BB5 games, and he's been going around VMSL looking at some of the talent there as well. So that's all good. And a player I'm very high on, lovely guy off the pitch as well, played with Altitude FC last year. He's Brazilian as well. Athos de Sequeira plays for Langera College. He looked really good, really sharp in the trials, crashed one off the crossbar in the final 11 v 11 game. And a teammate of his at Langara, Peruvian, David Zagara, was another one that made the final 22. So hopefully look to see them maybe get to the trials as well. It's nice if you've watched guys coming through the local college or League One BC level and they can make the jump to CPL. That's what it's all about, all this pathway. Yeah. So got a very quick chat with Afshin Gopi at the end of the trials. We did a, a walk and talk in the rain as we were walking back to the the dressing room area. So it's just about three minutes. As we, we chat about what he thought of the trials, what he's made of his squad build so far, and what fans can maybe expect from players coming down the line. Here's Vancouver FC head coach, Afshin Gopi. So three good days of training there. Were you impressed with what you saw from the, the local talent? Um, I've From first day, I'm quite impressed with the city of Vancouver, but... Uh, when I see the, the, the quality that this, uh, uh, the mainland and, and, and all the various communities that we have around Vancouver can provide this professional club, I'm very excited about the future. I, I see a lot of young, talented players. I see enormous diversity. And I see uh, also uh, not just the same type of players, but players with different qualities that can play different roles for the club. So you've had a couple of of weeks now in the job and well, I guess a couple of months now it's probably been it's obviously a slow build you've added a few players I know there's a, a few more to get announced are you happy with where your squad is just now? Well I think uh, uh, what I'm happy about is the process that we're going through in vetting the players and trying to identify uh, the, the personalities and the, and the players that we want to bring into this organisation uh, I'm quite uh, picky and I'm very, very um, detailed in trying to make sure that we sign players that we believe are going to be part of a big future of this club. So uh, if uh, we, don't, we haven't announced so many signings, it's because, yeah. uh, partly because we are really, really selective in trying to identify the players that uh, uh, represents the DNA and, the, and, the, and what this club wants to represent. And obviously a lot of local talent out today and Rob's spoken about wanting this club to be a big part of the community and have a lot of local players. Are you looking out with Canada as well? Is there any like international players that you might be looking to bring in or are you just really focusing on the Canadian talent? Um, we are focusing on the Canadian talent and, and we feel that we can sprinkle the team with a few international players uh, youth and senior national international players that can uh, that can in a way complete the squad. But uh, the, the 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 core of this team will be uh, Canadian. The core of this team will be Vancouver. The core of this team will be this this community. Just very last thing. What what do the next few weeks look like for you? Very busy. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah it's long days, but I, because I love what I do. Uh, and now I just have to do it with the rain on my head, which which is I have to get used to that. Yes, uh, but but it's uh, <laughs> but it's something that is kind of refreshing and uh, at the same time uh, quite wet. 
That's true. It, it does get nicer. Thank yeah. you so Thank much, you. Ashton. Thank you. Take care. Ashton Goatby there, just chatting a little bit about the players coming in. And as he said there, Zach, a lot for him to learn and get used to, especially having rain on his head. You better get used to that. Yeah, yeah, you better have. Especially if the stadium's not built and they haven't got a roof or something, or there's no dugouts in place. Yeah, there's, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be a roof. That's concerning. <laughs> they better be in the press box. I don't want to be sitting there with my wet bits of paper, get my PC well, that, all wet. I, well, I assume, when, well, a box has a roof. Okay. You know, by definition, Michael. True. <laughs> anyway, at this time, three months out, maybe before the start of the season, how are you feeling about the team? Still got that new car smell, buzzing excitement? Well, it it does and it doesn't, right? Because, yeah, the, the, you don't know what the squad's going to look like. I don't know what the stadium's going to look like. Uh, the logo and branding and stuff is out, but the jersey isn't. So it'll be nice. I think it'll be nicer when those things all come out. But in general, you know, yeah, still very excited about having a, a local football club to support. My big concern is just media coverage that the club's going to get. And I know that they're working to do that. And they, like people like ourselves, they want to be involved and have lots of coverage and have lots of access to the team. Hopefully they get more mainstream coverage as well. It was concerning. We'll play a little bit from the Callum Irvin introductory press conference in the next part. There was maybe five, six of us on that, and only two of us were from out west, and it was you and me. That that they need to try and amp up. But to put that in some context, the Whitecaps had their post-MLS Super Draft call, and there's three of us on that call, and that was with Axel and Vanny. So it's getting this this media involvement, and hopefully that will come. There's still a lot of work to get done. As I said, we'll sit down with Rob and we'll talk about all those aspects. If you've got any concerns or questions about how the season's going or anything you want to ask Rob, send them in to us, AFT in Canada on Twitter, AFTNCanada at Hotmail.com. But that is it for this part. One more part to go, and we're going to be chatting about the first signing for Vancouver FC, Callum Irvin, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Ollie Bassett, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. I really wanted a head to touch your knees I really wanted to share forgotten dreams Go through the motions of loving from afar And feel as if I'm reaching for the stars but each drop of hopelessness amounts To what could be a raging sea It could be springtime, I'd meet her at the gates If beauty ever comes to those who wait Castles in the air Those castles in the air So let me look into the windows of your soul Let me make the most of what I'll never know We'll eat forbidden fruits and sing our favourite songs And never tell each other we're wrong Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM 
And kicking off this part, it's another song from Terry Hall, this time from his band The Colourfield. That was Castles in the Air, their fourth single taken from the debut album Virgins and Philistines. I think that was from 1985. I did not write down the year for that in the notes, but yeah, a great song by The Colourfield and we'll have some more Terry Hall songs in the next episode as well. So for this final part of the show, we're going to just be talking a little bit more about Vancouver Sea, and we're going to hear from their first signing. And that signing, of course, was Callum Irvin, the storied goalkeeper. We spoke a little bit about him in the last part. Callie making the move from Pacific in December. First of a few, perhaps, that we're going to see that has previously played for the purple side of BC. Callum is 29 now, which is crazy to think. It's like, man, time flies. He, he started his youth career with Marple before moving to the Whitecaps, went to the University of Kentucky from 2012 to 2015. Stellar career there. 27 clean sheets, a slew of honours. Was expected to be taken in the MLS draft. Had actually signed an MLS contract, but wasn't taken. One of those Canadian players that suffered because of the stupid MLS rules that have them as international. But MLS's loss has proved to be CPL's gain over the years. He did join Rio Grande Toros in the USL in 2016. Even got a call-up to the bench of Dynamo, Houston Dynamo, and was with Ottawa Fury from 2017 to 2019. Then joined Pacific in 2020. Three seasons there. 57 appearances and a championship win with the Tridents. Great sign for Vancouver FC. And Zach and me got a chance to jump on his introductory press conference back in December. So we'll hear some stuff from us and a couple of the other journalists that were on the call as well. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy Callum Irvin. Yeah, when we when we started this club uh, and and uh, we got in conversations with with hiring a head coach um, and obviously uh, announcing Afshin uh, about two months ago, um, having those conversations with with Afshin, uh, talking about the type of uh, club this is going to be, the type of player uh, that we want to target. Uh, the the first player that that obviously Afshin did did his homework on was was uh, was Callum. And uh, Callum had a tremendous few years at Pacific FC, won the league in, in 2021. Uh, not only on the field, uh, his character, what he brings, but off the field, Callum is a first-class person, uh, first-class character, and, and really a leader in this league and, and a leader in this country. So we are very proud. We're very excited to bring a player uh, like Callum into this club as our first signing. And he's also from Vancouver. And this club is is sort of, built by Vancouver for Vancouver and uh, to bring and to have our first signing be Callum, a Vancouver boy with experience in this league. I know him very well and, and Afshin has got to know him. He, he's again, he's a, uh, he's a world-class guy and uh, we are very excited to announce him as, as our inaugural signing for Vancouver football club. So very excited, very exciting day. I'm so proud and happy to be here and, to announce such a wonderful athlete and goalkeeper 
Uh, Rob and I, in our discussion, we've always thought that we have to build this team from uh, from the goalkeeper position. And for us to compete, we need the best goalkeeper in Canada. And I, I did a lot of research and I felt that we found a, a goalkeeper that brings consistency, a calmness and a professionalism that every coach is looking for. And I'm really proud to have him sign and I'm uh, really excited to coach him and be part of his development. And I think in the next few years, uh, you're going to see him uh, not only be one of the best goalkeepers in the league, but maybe have a chance to be a national team goalkeeper for Canada. I'm, first of all, very excited to be a part of this club, um, let alone be the first signing. For me, growing up in Vancouver, uh, it's been a place that I've always wanted to play. And obviously, within Canada, even, it's, it's been lacking opportunities in the past. And so um, now with the CPL coming in with all the teams across the country, it's been a great time for Canadian soccer. And then, you know, I spent three good years at Pacific, as Rob alluded to. Uh, but when the opportunity came up to speak with Vancouver and speak with Ashin and speak with Rob, uh, and I heard their vision for the club and their vision for me within the club, it was something that I had to give some serious thought to. And after that serious thought, I came to the conclusion that this was the best place for me to continue my career with an ambitious coach, an ambitious owner, um, and in a city that I love. So uh, I couldn't be more happy to be signing for Vancouver FC, and I can't wait for the season to get started in 2023. Callum, I think we've heard a lot from um, Rob and Afshin just on the vision of this club, and, and rightfully so. But now that you are the first player to be signed, how would you describe the project that was laid out to you to pull you away uh, from the island to the mainland? I think uh, the main thing that, that got me was um, the fact that from day one, they want to instill success within the club. You know, I think uh, when you come into a league with already established teams, um, ways of playing players that have been at clubs for a number of years, I think naturally people are going to look at a brand new club and go, okay, they're going to need some time to get going. Um, you know, maybe they'll temper expectations a little bit, but for me, that's not how I operate and it's not how Rob operates and it's not how Afshin operates. Um, if they're going to put their name on something, they want it to be successful from day one and they're going to put everything they can into making it successful from day one. And so I love that ambition. That's what I envisioned for the club when I saw that it was announced. Um, I thought if you're going to bring a team to Vancouver from day one, you should be trying to compete for everything. Um, and if you don't have that mentality, then there's no point in, in competing at all. So um, yeah, once I heard that from them and I heard the ambition when they talked about the club, uh, it sold me pretty quickly. Um, on, on joining up and being a part of it. Hey Callum, congratulations on coming home. Just wanted to ask you a little bit about that. You, you spoke about the vision that, that Rob and the, the club have. Obviously that played a huge, huge part in you coming here, but how much of the lure of coming to play back in Vancouver was there for you? Along with, you, you joined Pacific in year two of the club, but this is your chance to be in at the ground foot and actually start something from the very start with this club. Yeah. Um, thanks for welcoming me there. Uh, but Vancouver is a special place to me. Um, I grew up playing in Marpole for Marpole Soccer Club uh, at Oak Park. Uh, you know, I've played all throughout the lower mainland. Um, so for me, it just feels like when they announced the team and I saw Vancouver FC and I saw the announcement of all the different places in the lower mainland, I, I saw myself, um, you know, I saw, you know, playing out in Langley, playing in Surrey, playing in North Van, West Van, Burnaby, everywhere. And so definitely 
the fact that it's at home, it's close to family, it's close to friends, people that have supported me from when I was four years old, kicking a ball around, chasing it on a field to all the way through college and into the professional game, that those people who have been there can support me in their own backyard is something that is extremely uh, special for me and something that I look forward to immensely. I'm sure you're a lot happier than your photo shoot looked because you weren't smiling much in that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's how it goes these days. You have to uh, put on the uh, blue steel. <laughs> Second question for you, though, Callum. Obviously, you spent three years at Pacific, a lot of good memories there. You won a championship. You got to play in, in Champions League. And I know it was a tough decision for you to, to move away from there. When you look back at your time there, how do you feel you've grown as a goalkeeper and what kind of reception do you think you're going to get when you do go back? Well, first of all, it was a fantastic three years. The success that we had over those three years was something that I haven't really experienced in the professional game, winning a championship in 2021, playing in CONCACAF in 2022. Those are all, you know, building blocks within a career that give you experience and add um, to the knowledge that you have in the game. Um, and so I'm always going to be grateful for those moments um, but I think, you know, it's the relationships that I made there that are probably the things that um, I'll miss the most and made it hardest to make a decision to leave just because there's such good people around, you know, teammates, coaches, people in the office. Uh, it's a real family atmosphere there. Um, and I love my time on the island um, as well as being with the fans. Right. I built personal relationships with them as well. So, you know, naturally, football is a competitive game when I go back to play against them. They're free to do as they please, uh, supporting their team. But obviously, Pacific and the island will always hold a special place in my heart, um, in my career, but just for me as a person as well. So I personally will be looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes when it happens. I just want to ask between you and um, Rob, how much um, influence was there from Rob to get you to come over to Vancouver from Pacific and Robert and I guess your um, uh, perspective will we see potentially more players from Pacific make this move over the next few months I mean Rob is obviously the head of Vancouver FC so naturally conversations are going to be with him and Afshin and he's going to do his best to bring in players that he and Afshin see fit to um, be at Vancouver FC so naturally he had an influence on me um, but not in any sort of other way than this is a club that he's running, that he's trying to make successful um, and he wanted to bring me in. And so it was a conversation like I've had with, uh, with him when I was trying to come to Pacific FC and conversations that I've had with other clubs in the past. So uh, once the season ended, that's when things um, opened up for me as I didn't really, you know, speak to anybody until my season was done with Pacific FC. So um, once the season was over um, and I was, evaluating my options that's when uh, I spoke with Rob and Afshin yeah and just following up on that you know look at the at the end of the day Callum was a free agent right so this has this has nothing to do with Pacific or not obviously you've got the relationship with Callum I've worked with him for three years like I said um, everybody knows what he brings on the pitch I obviously know and, and knew what what he brings off the field and having the, those leadership qualities is is very important especially in this this startup and and obviously being from Vancouver so Look, Callum had a lot of opportunities um, within the league, outside this league. So this wasn't uh, this wasn't wasn't easy to try to convince Callum to come to this startup, this startup opportunity. Um, but again, I think he was convinced on on the plans, the ambition. Obviously, Afshin talking to him. So 
you know, again, he, he was a free agent, much like any free agent. Um, and, you know, I, I, I flexed my uh, relationship with him, let's say, and, and, and convinced him to come. So again, we're very grateful that, that he made that decision. And I think it's, uh, it's going to make uh, a statement across the league that, that, you know, by, by signing players like Callum, you know, that this club is ambitious and, uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, more qualities, quality players like, like Callum uh, end up signing for us. Callum, for you, having grown up, you know, playing in the Vancouver area, how important is a club like this to, to have another option in the CPL in, in Vancouver and, you know, given all of the talent uh, that there is in the area? Yeah, I think it's usually important that the CPL is, is you know, in, in all the markets that it can possibly be in. And Vancouver is one of the biggest markets in the entire country. As you alluded to, there's a ton of talent throughout the lower mainland. Um, and those kids are looking for an opportunity at the next level. They want to see somebody from their hometown, potentially doing what they want to do. They want to see that it's a real option for themselves. And so I think having a team in the lower mainland in Vancouver is, is so important for the development of the local players, um, as well as soccer across Canada. Callum, uh, you, you've touched on this a little bit, but uh, that was more from the player development side of things. Uh, I think you know that there's a, um, a deep hunger and a deep thirst in the lower mainland for, for a football club like Vancouver FC. And I'm just wondering what it, what it means to you to know that you're going to be a part of uh, building a new football club in the lower mainland that can uh, live up to the aspirations of all the fans, of all the supporters, uh, of all the grassroots level. Uh, what does it mean to you to be a part of, to be a part of that? Yeah, it means everything. Um, I didn't think I'd get an opportunity like this in my career to be there on day one, um, trying to collaborate with the people, um, the fans, the, the soccer leaders within the community in Vancouver, um, and trying to build a club that services everyone, you know, um, that takes the community's thoughts to heart and tries to be the best club it can be for the people of the region. And so for me as a player, obviously, first and foremost, I want to perform on the field and we want to be successful on the field. Um, because that should be the aim of every football club. But I think with Vancouver FC and with me being from the area, there's so much more to it than just success on the field. It's about making real connections with the people in the stands, the people in the community, um, and trying to, to serve that community as best possible with the resources that we have as a football club. Um, and so I think, you know, from day one, we have a chance to really listen to the people around us and do our best to, uh, to fit right into the community and, and help soccer grow. Callum, you're your experienced uh, player. You have, you, your experience makes you a natural leader. You probably will be a reference for the whole team. Have you been thinking about this role in this new team? And Afshin, do you think of Callum uh, could be uh, like the biggest leader in the team? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm at this stage in my career where, like you said, I've, I've, I've got some experience under my belt. Um, I think that was part of the conversations that I had with, with Rob and Afshin was, you know, what do they envision for me within the club? And for me, I think uh, as well over the last three years, um, my role at, at, at Pacific was, you know, starting to move more into uh, I'm one of the older guys. The league has a lot of young guys in it. Maybe I'm not near the end of my career, but I'm somebody that uh, I'm not 20 years old anymore. Right. And so I think uh, naturally, as a goalkeeper, you're also somebody that's, that's communicating a lot. And so 
that role is kind of a part of the position. Um, but for me, it's, it's not about having a defined role as a leader. It's about just doing your part within the team. Um, and, you know, if I have experience and I can share, then I'll, I'll try and do so. Um, I'll try and, you know, help those around me. Um, but as far as I can see on all successful teams, it's not about one guy. It's not about the coach. It's about everybody buying in and, and, you know, doing their part in order to help one another. It can't just be one voice or two voices. It has to come from everybody. So I'll obviously look to play my role using the experience that I had, but I also am hoping to gain new experience from this venture with this new club. And, um, I'm looking forward to that. I, I think one of the things that I've learned in my career is that there are different ways to lead. And I think what Callum brings is he doesn't lead by just being raw, raw, raw. He leads by showing uh, confidence uh, uh, and, uh, and giving confidence to the players in front of him, bringing calmness, which, which is very important for a goalkeeper to keep everyone calm in, in very difficult situations. So uh, I love his, his way of leadership because uh, this is the leadership that I think has depth and that kind of depth, I think, makes teams better. So uh, I'm really, really happy to have this kind of a leader. And as our first signing, and and I'm, I'm certain he will be wearing our captain band uh, because that's the reason why I brought him to this team with Rob. So uh, I hope that answers your questions about his leadership. So Callum Irvin there, just speaking about coming back home, back to Vancouver FC and his excitement at a chance to build something here out in Langley, which he most certainly does. So, I yeah. mean, the, the signing of Callum Irvin, it's obviously a, a great signing for the clubs that we touched on it in the last part. What do you think he can mean to the team off the pitch? We know what he can mean on it, but what do you think he's going to be off the pitch and in the community? Because I think they want him to have that role and more involved in that side of the club as well. Yeah, I think he helps bring that localness to the to the to the team, right? He's from the area. He's from the region. Um, I don't, uh, you know, those in the community. I think he's for those who are in the football community already. I think he, that's helpful for a draw, uh, for, to draw people in. But I think also, I think he'll probably be involved in what they do in the community, the ways they engage or choose to connect in the community. But then also in terms of how they do on the pitch. Uh, if he performs well on the pitch and helps the side perform well on the pitch because he's local, I think that adds to the story of the club, which yep. is a story they, you know, as the story grows, the engagement grows, right? That's partly, I think, yeah. what they're. I mean, he, he spoke at. about the Lura coming home, what the club can mean to the local community, and he's going to have a very important part of that when you talk about his rise in the game and his struggles in the game and then coming back home. It's great. Hopefully there's a few more stories like that that can be told as well and we'll tell a few of them here on the show. So that is it for our Vancouver FC, our CPL and basically all of our football chat. It's not it for the show though. We've still got time for this episode's wavelength. And since we just spoke to goalkeeper Callum Irvin there, I thought I would pick a goalkeeper themed song for this week's wavelength. We're going back to 2021 and a song from an album we've played Quite a few songs from over the, the past few months. Armchair Loyal is the band out of Birmingham in England. This is from their album All You Need Is In Love. 
And this song samples the 1972 classic Moldy Old Doe by Lieutenant Pigeon. The band, coincidentally enough, that provided the original intro music to our fish and chips section on the show before we switched over to Word SOS, our friend from Scotland. This is Armchair Loyal and the Goalies Faux Pas. Mr R.T. Couch of Kenton and Middlesex was convinced that the Hull goalkeeper, Ian McKechnie, took more than the allowed four steps before he cleared the ball. Let's count McKechnie's step. There's one step. Remember, he's allowed four. There's two steps. There's three steps. There's four. There's five. There's six. And there's seven. So the game should have been stopped there and then. It was from that clearance, of course, that Hull got their winner. There's one step. Remember, he's allowed four. There's two steps. Remember, he's allowed four. There's three steps. Remember, he's allowed four. There's four. There's five. Remember, he's allowed four. There's six. And there's seven. Remember, he's allowed four. So the game should have been stopped there and then. Remember, he's allowed four. It was the letter of the law. Were only allowed four. Show the rules respect, or they'll get an indirect. Not all referees need specs, so goalies have to watch their steps. There's one step, remember he's allowed four. There's two steps, remember he's allowed four. There's three steps. Remember, he's allowed four. There's four. There's four. There's four. Remember, he's allowed four. goalkeeping clangers. Well, I have to confess that I dropped a pretty heavy clanger of my own. 
Armchair Loyal, the goalie's faux pas. We're hoping that Callum Irvin won't have any faux pas for Vancouver FC. But that, of course, is the curse of the goalkeeper. But that is it now for this episode of the show. Just before we go, though, Zach, let everyone know where they can find you online and any final thoughts that you've got this week. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter very, very occasionally at Zachary AM. And uh, yeah, if you don't have your uh, Vancouver FC season ticket yet, you can put in your deposit now, 20 bucks. Make it happen. Indeed. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me online at AFT in Canada. Give a watch to our YouTube videos, youtube.com backslash AFT in Canada. Got a new VMSL video up from the weekend. Croatia SC, Coquitlam Metro Ford. If that isn't up by the time you listen to this, it will be pretty soon. So it was a very entertaining game, so check that one out. We will be back with another episode soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Leave us a nice review on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Mon the Caps and Mon Vancouver FC. Bye, everybody. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.